Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name is David Lloyd, uh, writer, broadcaster, actor, polymath, polymath, polymath. <laughs> yes, it's your word of the week, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of things, as indeed does uh, my friend here, Chris. But tell us about yourself. Good morning. Uh, I wrote a book called The Financial Wellbeing Book, without which we wouldn't have this podcast. I also coach cricket. I play in a band. I write novels. I'm married with two kids and I've got quite a lot of well-being. You do indeed, yes, and you write about it very well in the book, which uh, hopefully people will have already read. And if not, by the time we get to the end of this podcast, I'm sure they'll want to go away and read it. What are we talking about today, Chris? Today's podcast is an interview with a journalist called Michelle McGah. I hope I'm pronouncing her surname correctly. We're going to be looking at what matters to us, what money gives us. And we're going to be looking at it from the opposite direction than we've been looking before, because Michelle is spending a year without being allowed to spend any money other than bills. I'll let her explain in the interview. But uh, the idea is, what will she miss? What will, what are the things that if she had no money, she would really come to miss? And what will be the outcome for that? And it's a really interesting chat. Oh, looking forward to that. We therefore went on to Twitter uh, in advance of this podcast and asked some of our Twitter followers what they would miss if they didn't have any money. And I think you've got some of the answers. OK, so what did our Twitter followers uh, say that they would miss? Ruth Power uh, at our power. She says she'd miss Spotify and wine. Uh, A woman after my own heart. Though. <laughs> and Music mine, and wine. And what mine too. Um, A typically pithy comment from Annie Shaw, who, who tweets at Cash Questions. Uh, her tip is don't have friends. Keeping up with the Joneses is a very strong motivator for purchases and bad for your wallet. That's a very good point. Peer pressure is a big, big uh, enemy of financial well-being. And it's something we write about in the book about, actually. That's a really good point from Annie. But I'm not sure I take it quite so far as not have any friends. That maybe she doesn't have any choice about that. Of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she's too forthright for her own good then. <laughs> But for me, my friends are a very important part of my well-being. Uh, Paula White, our old friend, at Paula White underscore UK, she'd miss the opportunities to buy and send little gifts and cards to the people that matter to me. That's yeah. very Paula. It is very Paula, isn't it? And, and actually, uh, one thing that I do uh, on Amazon is I'll buy a book and I'll send it directly from Amazon to somebody. So uh, Amazon gets a bit confused with my addresses because I've got about 30 on there now. <laughs> uh, but that's quite a nice thing to do. And you, you're just sending a little bit of happiness off to somebody. Aren't you? Never sent me one. <laughs> That's because I give them to you. You're in the village. <laughs> Jessica Gurr at Jess Gurr writes I think I'd make going out to coffee shops something I would afford. Going to do freelance work in one is always inspiring. Which makes me think of J.K. Rowling, who wrote most of the first Harry Potter book in a coffee shop. Right, she? Yeah. Um, coffee came up quite a few times actually. We had a few other tweets we haven't got time to read out. Coffee was a recurring theme. And finally, at Matthew Warne, that's W-A-L-N-E, he'd miss holidays, album and film downloads, meals out, treats for the kids, concert tickets and Apple gadgets. I'm Another not, man after your own yeah, heart. I'm not sure Matt's really embracing this idea, though. <laughs> I think not, no. OK, so uh, what's next then, Chris? So let's have a listen to my chat with Michelle. Um, Michelle has been a journalist for over 10 years. She is a freelance journalist currently, but she has in the past worked um, for papers that we all know, national papers. I read an article about her year without money in The Guardian, and that prompted me to uh, send her a message and ask if she'd come and have a chat with us. So here it is, my chat with Michelle. Thank you very much for doing this podcast, Michelle. Um, tell us a bit about yourself before we get into what you've been up to. So 
I um, I'm 33 years old. I live in London, and I'm a freelance personal finance journalist. The irony being, I'm a financial journalist, but I was terrible with my money, and I have um, embarked on a, a no-spend year to try and get my finances on track. That's an interesting way to go about getting your finances on track. <laughs> what prompted the such an extreme approach? Well, um, I came across Buy Nothing Day, which um, is a really interesting concept. Over the last few years, we've imported uh, Black Friday from the US, even though we don't have Thanksgiving, um, and where everyone goes out and they spend loads of money on deeply discounted electronics. And, you know, we, we've seen that, you know, people you know, waiting outside the supermarkets to rush in and buy TVs and squabbling over, over food mixers. We've seen it all. And a counter movement has grown from that called Buy Nothing Day. Buy Nothing Day is, is, is what it says. Instead of going out and, and fighting people for TVs, just buy nothing. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. I wonder if I could do it for a year. Uh, by nothing day, Michelle. You took this a bit literally. I didn't did, you? I did. So now I'm doing well, do you know the other thing as well? I didn't realise that it's a leap year, so not only am I doing a year, it's a longer year than it would be normally. The by nothing day, that's a really nice idea. I, I I love that. One of the things about the financial well being book is about um this obsession with buying items and stuff and well being very short lived well being it, it, it gives you. Um so let's come back and explore that a bit later maybe. Yeah, uh so how did you go about this? What are your rules? Well the rules are so it's probably easier to tell you what I can spend money on than what I can't. Um so what I can spend money on is uh yeah, my my bills, so my mortgage, um my utilities, my water rates, council tax, that sort of stuff. I also still pay for uh, my phone and my internet connection because without those I can't work. And, uh, you know, sensible things like, you know, life insurance policies and house insurance policies, that sort of stuff. Uh, plus food. Um, and when I first started, I was sort of chatting to people on Twitter saying, you know, what, what should my budget for food be? And they, everyone was coming back between about 30 and 50 quid a week. And I thought, God, 50 quid's a lot of money for food. So I thought, I'll go for 30. And then my husband, who's not doing the challenge, um, said, oh, well, I'll join in on the food bit, a bit of solidarity. I'll join in on the food bit. And we've managed to get our food bill, toiletries and cleaning products down to 35 quid a week for both of us. So I'm quite, I'm quite chuffed with that because I was one of those people that, I don't know if anyone else does this, but... You know, coming home from work, you nip into like the little mini supermarket. You think, I'll just get something for tonight and end up spending 15 quid. And you just think, where does my money go? So that's sort of a good example of where I've had to kind of rein it in, really. And to what extent are you what I might refer to as suffering in this food shop? <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. It's, it's actually been really good. I'm probably eating better than I was before because I have to actually think about what I'm going to eat. And it, it, do you know what? Because it's just... And I'm sure that, you know, older listeners will go, oh, well, it's just common sense or we've always done this. And my mum sort of rolls her eyes at me as well, because it's just about sort of really old fashioned stuff like making the list, sticking to the list, meal planning, cook, you know, batch cooking, not wasting anything. And that all seems really obvious. But when you're not doing it, you're not doing it, are you? And you're wasting the money. Do you have food recycling where you live? We do, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's so really good. how much of food are you throwing out compared to before? Very little. Very little. I reckon we threw out probably about 20% of what we bought before. You know, just in terms, you know, like the salad that doesn't get eaten and, um, you know, bits and pieces that get left over. Now, 
very little goes in that recycling, the food recycling, just the peelings of potatoes and things. Now, I am very concerned at one potential implication for what you're saying here. What about wine? Uh, yeah, I know that booze isn't essential, unfortunately. So um, I've, I've, off, I've been off. Well, I've not been off the booze totally because I have managed to get my hands on it now and again. <laughs> but <laughs> it's been a, it's been a big drop. <laughs> So what else then? How how, how has this actually um, worked itself out uh, aside from the weekly shop? So basically, my my life's changed totally. Actually, um, so the first few months, because uh, I started on November the twenty seventh, and at first it was kind of like a bit of novelty. Got through Christmas, which was quite fun, despite not being able to buy presents. And then the first couple of months of the year were really miserable. Um, it was really difficult and. You know, it's cold, it's dark, days are short, nobody wants to go out after work and, you know, wander around a gallery or whatever. You know, people just want to go and sit in the pub, which is what I would, would have done before. But then I realised the reason it was so difficult is sort of because I was trying to live my old life, but for free. It didn't really work because I used to spend loads of money, you know, going out, dinners, gig tickets, pub, more pub. Um, and then, and I thought, okay, well, as and then the, the day, you know, got a bit lighter, days got longer, got a bit warmer. I thought, hang on, why, why am I trying to be, do my, you know, replicate my old life when I can maybe do things that are free by nature? And so I ended up, basically, I ended up just going out, you know, bike rides, walking, going, you know, open water swimming, sort of all things that that are free by their nature, and it's actually. It's made me so much happier and it's kind of, in a way, made the challenge easier because now it's a, a sort of a shift in mindset, I suppose. And what is it about doing those things particularly that has made you happier, do you think? Probably getting some exercise. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't hurt, does it? But the part of the reason it's been so much fun is because actually I have, a, I have brilliant friends and family who've sort of embraced it as well. You know, they've been like, yeah, well, yeah, let's go for a swim, let's go for a walk. And I've, I've made new friends as well to do those things with. So actually the, the people have been, a, you know, around me, my sort of support network have been a huge help. That's interesting. One of the um, things that we look at a lot in financial well-being, or actually well-being in general, is that of the five areas of well-being, by far and away the most important one is social well-being. So I'm wondering if this is a bit of an interlink here between financial well-being and social well-being, that one has enhanced the other. Definitely. And I suppose and it sort of works in the reverse as well. You know, you want to see people, so you go out and you spend money to see people, um, you know, even if it's just going out for dinner or whatever. But it's when you, when you think, OK, well, what can we do that's free? And you can kind of get other people on board. You don't need to go out and spend the money to see people. And obviously and seeing them is is the thing that gives you the thrill, you know, that, that's the thing that makes you happy, not the money that you've spent on dinner. It's, you know, it's all about, it's all about the people. And I think even the times where I've missed out, it's not, I don't feel like I'm missing out on stuff or buying things. The times I've missed out and felt rubbish about doing what I'm doing is when I miss, you know, something, when I miss an occasion. So, you know, a friend of mine um, is moving back. She lives in London. She's lived here years, but she's moving back to Australia. Um, and before she goes, sort of my group of girlfriends are going on a, on a trip away. And I, can't, I obviously can't go. And so that, that's kind of been a real wrench for me. But I realise it's, you know, obviously because I want to see her and spend time with her rather than buy something. Yeah, so there's been a few sacrifices you've had yeah, to make. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
you paint this picture that it's not been too bad. In fact, it's enhanced relationships. Mm -hmm. You've gone out and done a lot more because, and, and you can go for bike rides. Mm -hmm. What happens when nights get cold and dark again? Yeah, um, it's probably going to be a bit miserable again, if, in all honesty. You know, it's that was the thing that was a bit miserable before. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've found a way to, you know, found a new hobby that's free that I can do in the dark, dark months. I'm not sure. Um, have to hope that we have, you know, Indian summer. It's going to be all lovely, and then I'll get through October, and then November I'm finished. <laughs> How would you describe your relationship with money before you started this? Yeah, but the thing is, you know, I thought I thought I was really good with money. If I'm honest. I, I know people like you. I speak to clever people who know lots about money every day. That's my job. And I, if you'd have asked anyone, my friends, family, is Michelle good with money? They'd have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, she knows loads about money. I do know loads about money, but I, I had no handle on just how much was flowing out of my account. Like, I knew what my outgoings were. You know, I know what my mortgage is. I know what, you know, I pay in electric and gas. I knew those things, but I definitely didn't have a handle on the kind of the, the discretionary spending. You know, it was yeah. just it wasn't something that would would really cross my mind. I'd just you know hand over the card and you know buy a round of drinks or I'd buy you know buy an outfit and not really thinking about where the money's going and and also whether I actually needed to buy what I was buying. It was really, basically it was really wasteful and it's actually a bit embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but now, sort of obviously now, I'm like, well, I, I know no money's going out. I know my outgoings, and that's the only thing that's going out. And I know what what I'm spending on food because I basically had the price, you know, ingrained in my memory. So I know exactly what I'm buying on everything. So before I, I, I thought I was good with money, but I, was, I kidded myself really. You know, it's it. I didn't know where the pennies pennies were going. One of the five areas of financial well-being is control of daily finances, mm -hmm. and it sounds like this is right in that sweet spot. Yeah. You've really understood where your money's going, and that's really given you. Well, let me ask you: Has that increased your well-being? Definitely, it's given me back control. It is that thing of you know, oh well, you know that you know that you've spent a bit too much this month, so you don't open the bank statement. Uh, I don't, I don't want to feel like that again, and I don't want the you know the anxiety that goes with it either, of sort of not having a handle on on money or just. Letting the, letting the money slide out of my account into God knows what, and, you know, and having nothing to show for it. It's been a really interesting sort of shift in the way I think about how things are priced as well. It's so like before, you know, you walk down the high street and you see in a shop window and, you know, it'd be a dress and it'd be 50 quid. And I think, oh, and now I think, uh, before I'd just been like, oh, it's 50 quid. Now I think, okay, how long would it take me to earn 50 quid? And then I think, okay, say for argument's sake, it takes me, you know, four hours to earn 50 quid. Well, then that means I'm four hours further away from being mortgage-free if I buy that dress. So I'm sort of seeing it in like a, a long timeline where I'm trying to work down to paying off my mortgage and every, every sort of pound I spend is however many minutes away from that target. And I'd never really thought like that before. And so now everything is kind of on a timeline of money and kind of this, I suppose, a financial freedom, really. There's a potential there, I guess, for becoming a little, maybe too obsessed with money and thinking about money all the time. Has that been a danger? Um, well, it probably is for this year, just because obviously I, I can't spend anything. I mean, that, lots of people said to me, oh, isn't it going to be really hard? To, or, basically, there's two, two trains of thought. People go, 
are you just going to go out and blow all your money at the end? Or other people have said, oh, my God, you're going to find it really hard to spend any money. And I'm hoping I'm going to maybe fall somewhere between the two where I've got a really good handle on my money. I know exactly you know, what's going out, but I've kind of picked up really good habits. So I won't just be handing over the credit card. It will be more, OK, you know, give yourself a budget, be a bit sensible with it. Um, so I do, I, you know, I can go out and I can do things. I can replace my cycling leggings because they've got a huge hole in the backside, <laughs> you know. <but laughs> so I can do, you know, I, I, hopefully I'm going to fall somewhere in the middle where I'm just being sensible, not going crazy, and but not feeling really, really guilty for spending money either. So are you looking forward to November? Um, I am, but I'm not counting down the days. Sort of, I'm not like oh, desperately, you know, wishing my life away to get to November. You know, I, found, I have found it a really interesting experiment. I found other people's reactions to it really interesting as well. Uh, what do you think's driven that? Being British, we don't talk about money, do we? You know, it's quite a taboo sort of thing to talk about, other than house prices, which people like to talk about around, you know, dinner tables. Um, talking about your money and whether you've got a handle on it isn't something we really do. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be a bad thing to talk about money. It shouldn't be a, a bad thing to ask for help with money either. You know, especially people my age, you know, or, and definitely people younger as well. You know, coming out of uni, huge amounts of debt, it's difficult to get on the housing ladder. There's no, there's no shame in saying, I don't know what to do with my money to get to the place I want to be. And, um, yeah, maybe people just feel that if now they've met someone who's trying to be a bit more open about how bad they are with money that and trying to get better, then that's kind of a, a cue for them to talk to me. I'm not sure. It's interesting. Uh, as a society, I wonder if we could be doing a bit more to help people. You say about people reluctant to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Clients of, of Ovation, my company, tend to be 45 plus. Yeah. Uh, they've already made some money. Yep. They're looking for help with the money they've already got. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this, uh, so to speak, advice gap where younger people can't afford firms like mine yeah. uh, because we have lots of costs, yeah. regulatory costs, etc. Uh, and and they, they don't really get it from anywhere else either. Um, I, I wonder if you've any insight into that, given your experience. Definitely. I, well, yeah, we're, we're a huge kind of lost cause, I suppose, when it comes to financial services. Well, I think that's how we're seen. You know, we don't, you know, people, young people don't have any money. But arguably, this is exactly the time we need to be helping people to understand money. You know, you're going into adulthood um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of tricky financial costs out there. You know, how do you pay back your financial loan? How do you, you know, do a household budget? I think, I mean, you know, that you can't expect people like you to to work for nothing. So, I I mean, it's going to have to be government intervention. And part of me thinks maybe employers have a, a part to play. You know, when somebody gets their first job, is there, you know, like a, a financial well-being course we could put new employee, you know, young, new young employees through, you know, the government, I think it has to be kind of government driven, really, if we're going to get a nation to be savvy when it comes to money. Yeah, there are there are quite a few things going on, actually, and um, doing the financial well-being work, I, I'm discovering all sorts of things. Interestingly, very, very few of them from within the financial services industry, oh, really? who arguably are the ones who are going to benefit from it. Oh, um, but there are lots of things going on, workplace well-being, yeah. um, there's lots of things going out to help people in the workplace and get employers to give help and support to yeah. their staff. So there is actually quite a lot going on. Yeah. 
So just to finish up then, Michelle, how has your relationship with money changed as a result of this? Um, my relationship with money is a lot more transparent than it was, I think, is probably the best way to sum it up. Uh, I know what's going in and out of my bank account now. I'm not waiting until the end of the month to surreptitiously check my, the balance on my account. And do you know what? My, it's a lot more positive and I'm a lot happier. That's always what happens you know, when you take control. When you take control of anything, you know, whether it's your health or you know, your career, I sort of feel like I've taken control of my money and it's, it's, that's made me really, really happy. That's a wonderful, positive message to finish on, Michelle. Uh, it's, is there any output from this? Are you writing a book? Are you, is there anything you want to just mention on the podcast before we finish? Um, if anyone wants to come and chat with me on Twitter, I'm at mmagar, M-M-C-G-A-G-H. That's fantastic, Michelle. Thanks so, so much for spending the time with us. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Chris. Well, fascinating stuff from Michelle. Just as an aside, while I was listening to that, I was reminded of something I read a few years ago. A guy called Mark Boyle, B-O-Y-L-E, in 2009, he went a whole year without spending any money at all and wrote about it. So uh, it's probably not that relevant to financial well-being, but I certainly recommend if anybody wants to just Google Mark Boyle 2009, my year without money, it's a very interesting read. Yeah, and Michelle's got a lot of interesting insights. One thing that occurred to me listening to that, Michelle is 32, I am 61, so uh, for her, at her time of life, to think, right, okay, I'll, I'll go a year going without things. At my time of life, I feel I've probably gone without enough things in my younger years. I don't want to particularly do that now. So do you think age is a factor there? Possibly. That could work both ways, I think. Um, being what we would consider younger at 32, uh, perhaps she hasn't got the trappings that she would miss so much. Um, I was a little disturbed by her assertion that booze isn't considered an essential. She's totally wrong there. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, but she's totally wrong. Also, uh, the fact that I'm very impressed that her and her husband can manage to uh, eat for £35 a week. Yeah, uh, wasn't know. that interesting? Yeah, and now throwing away virtually no food. Yeah, But I wonder if you, as you get older and you do get a few more trappings, you don't need to buy so much because you've already got the basics that you want, you know. I go into town, um, perhaps with a little bit of cash, and think, well, maybe I'll spend something, and I'll come back with all the money in my pocket because there's nothing I want. Well, I'm the same, Chris. I used to love a bit of retail therapy, just going out and, oh, I'm going to buy some things because it makes me feel good. But, but increasingly now, I've got most of the things that I want, so I don't need to do that. But what she also said that I found very interesting, that she said, I was trying to lead my old life, mm. but for free. Yeah. And the one thing she's learned from that is actually with this uh, you know not spending money it wasn't possible to leave that life so she had to look at other ways of spending yeah. her time as a result she's doing more exercise she's changed her habits she feels fitter so by not spending money she's actually found a path to well-being yeah absolutely wasn't that a great story and in fact um one of the lessons that i got out of that was the fact that she said um you don't need to go to the pub or to the restaurant to see people and it's so true uh, my wife Susie is a great one for walking the dog um, with friends in the village. And so two or three of them will go out and walk the dog together. Well, that's a great bit of social time, which hasn't cost a penny. Um, and we're so used to, you know, every time we see somebody, it tends to be in the evening somewhere at a restaurant, which costs 50, 60 quid a time. So it's a good, good shout, that one. Yes, and I think it also uh, stresses the importance of, of people in terms of well-being, be it your family, be it your kids, be it your friends, your parents. In the end, providing you've got good people around you, it's not necessarily always, uh, you don't necessarily always need to spend money in order to spend time with them. 
And the other great tip that I really liked, um, in fact, I wish I'd heard it before because it would have gone into the book, <laughs> which is do look at your bank statements. That was a really good tip there because it doesn't matter how painful it will be, but having that transparency that you get from looking at your bank statements gave her a positive result. That's a great tip. One other thing I'd just like to pick up on, which uh, Michelle touched upon, was in our industry, we have this thing we call the advice gap. So older, perhaps slightly wealthier people can afford the likes of my company, Ovation. But there's a lot of people, particularly younger people, who can't afford advice um, and they've nowhere to go. They've nowhere to get this financial knowledge and education. Well, forgive me for the plug, but that's what this book is for. That's what the Financial Wellbeing book is exactly aimed at, to give that generation some knowledge and information and a way of looking at money, but hopefully that's based around happiness, not just getting rich. And as Michelle said, being British, we don't talk about money. Yeah. But she also went on to say talking about money shouldn't be a bad thing. And as a thank you to Michelle for doing that podcast with us, we've sent her a free copy of the book, which seems to fit in with her year of spending no money. I thought you said you were going to type, pay for her to go away with her friends who's emigrated <laughs> to Australia. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Let <laughs> us know what you think of it. Tell us how we can do that, Chris. We've got at Finwellbeing is the Twitter account. Uh, if you want to come and say hello to me, I'm at Ovation Chris. I'm at Dave underscore Backwell. And the website is www.finwell-being. And there's lots more information on there, blogs, etc., etc. And, of course, do subscribe to the podcast. That's it from myself, uh, Chris and Michelle. We'll be back with another podcast very soon. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast, and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.finwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at finwellbeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at David underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. No finance, no romance was how she told me goodbye. First she took my love and then she took all my M-O-N-E-Y.